Are you stiff? Are you waking up tight in the morning? Are you someone who goes into the gym and just constantly sits on the foam roller? We've all been there and if that is you, then this episode might be for you. This is the Build Your Instincts podcast. It is episode six. You're here with David Crane and Lachlan Simpson. This episode, we're chatting about some factors that contribute towards mobility. We talk about some of the lifestyle factors we look at and some of the factors in the gym. Kind of how we'd take someone from a really stiff and tight body you know state and then get them sort of progress through to improving movement quality and then also managing that long term as well we talk about some of the mechanical factors involved in mobility we talk about some of the chemical factors involved in mobility and then also the neurological and some of the environmental factors so there's a ton of stuff in this episode that can be useful and we also talk about just how we can look at mobility as a whole um, with how it relates to your lifestyle and how you show up in the gym and how that can affect your mobility as well. If you're enjoying the podcast, please leave us a review or rating on either Apple or Spotify and you can reach out via Instagram. Our handles are in the show notes or you can hit us up at instinct-coaching.com. Enjoy the episode, guys. This is the Build Your Instincts podcast with David Crane and Lachlan Simpson. Welcome back. What are we chewing on today, Dave? Today we're talking about why you're stiff and tight. Me or tight specifically. Yeah. yeah. Why Lockie is stiff and tight. Why are you stiff and tight this week? Oh man, too many answers to that one. Too much training, or not enough training, maybe. Not enough training to too much training. Mm. Um, <laughs> yeah, but. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think normalizing that in that regard is quite useful. In the past, I would have just been like, "Oh, my mobility is so bad. I'm so stiff and tight," and get really upset about it. But now it's like, okay, well, I know why I'm stiff and tight this week. Maybe it'll be a little bit different next week, or maybe next time I won't go as intense first week back into training after a little <laughs> bit of a break. Tapering back in, so. Yeah, there's a lot of things that affects mobility. Um, I think typically people think about mobility is just like being affected by their muscles. So like I'm I'm stiff, I'm feeling tight, um, I need to stretch something or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I thought a good way to kick this off would be just to touch on, let's get like the basics out of the way first as to why you might be feeling stiff and tight. Um, and then we'll kind of dive into like, what some other things that actually affect mobility as well from like your nervous system and, and the biological processes that go on in your body. Um, but basics out of the way first, what are some lifestyle factors that might affect your mobility? General lack of movement. Yeah. Like your perception of being tight and stiff can be simply from lack of you moving. Yeah. What was the story you were just telling me about your back being tight? Oh yeah. Um, I remember oh, I still often wake up with like a really stiff back, neck, shoulders, knees. Just knee, a brick. Just, just basically <laughs> just a brick. Um, and in the past, I used to like like think really negatively about that. And I'd be like, oh, I need to do so much more extra work or whatever to try and fix X problem. Um, and then having a conversation. I I, yeah, I can't recall who I was speaking to about it, but they really normal, normalized the process of waking up in that state. And mm. like reflecting on it, I'm like, yeah, well, it kind of makes sense. Like I'm dehydrated. I've been in one position. I haven't been moving. So <laughs> fluid hasn't been 
like being pumped around my body. Um, I'm in a horizontal lying position. I yeah have really not been moving in the past eight hours. And then I'm waking up expecting to be able to like, just feel super normal and um, mobile, ready mobile, to go, ready to go. Um, but yeah. Like, and then you think about, okay, well, maybe I just need to do a little bit of movement when I wake up, have a bit of water, um, get warm. And that's going to change it. Even having a warm shower will change your perception of stiffness and tightness first thing in the morning. Um, and that feeling can be normalized. And I think that's quite a useful process to go through. Yeah. It's really interesting. Like um, won't dive into the weeds too quickly, but like the psychological factor of how you perceive your body is so important as well. Like, as you said, like, um, waking up feeling stiff and sore and, and immediately like crap something's wrong or like I need to be doing extra mobility work extra stretching or whatever mm. and then you chat to someone and they're like no it's just like this this and this and you're like oh okay <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense right makes so sense. Yeah. it just changes your frame straight away yeah what about like some nutritional factors maybe touching on hydration as well that might affect how your body's feeling um is that something you look at typically like if we're dealing with someone who's coming to us at like they're just really stiff and tired all the time are you looking into their hydration and mobility would, uh, sorry probably, nutrition yeah i would probably generally just look at look at it from the perspective of if they're having well from the hydration standpoint it's basically just enough and enough from both sides of things like if they're in a depleted state they're generally i would say they're generally going to be more bound or tight and stiff just basically because their body's not ready to be to mobilize because it doesn't have an energetic surplus so if Mm. someone um and you could even think about it like maybe what would be a good example like if you have a, a good meal and you're feeling really well fed your body generally feels a little more relaxed and calm and um in a more parasympathetic state versus um yeah, if you hadn't have had had that. So if you have like a really large carbohydrate meal, um, you generally feel pretty mellow and like relaxed. <laughs> the carb coma. I love it. Carb coma. <laughs> um, but I think that just comes back to being well fed and well hydrated. I don't think I don't really um look too deeply into that. Maybe you could elaborate on that. Yeah, no, I think um like we've all had the if you've ever dieted, you probably know that like your body feel apart from feeling hungry um your body generally feels better versus if you're really well fueled um you've got a good feeding schedule like i think it just comes down to the nervous system in that regard yeah um but as you said like if it's it's just covering the basis like okay they've got functional eating patterns there's not some weird um binge and starvation cycle going on for Mm -hmm. whatever reason um we can kind of take that off the table so yeah the two big ones there lifestyle um i guess like really just looking at if they're sitting for a long period of time or they're standing for a long period of time it's not necessarily sitting like i think people really demonize being at an office desk or whatever but i think what we're really getting at is just being in a position for a long time would you agree with that yeah totally i think there's there's no bad position to be in like even there's no such, I don't personally believe in bad posture. I think it's um, when there's like one posture, I think that's a bad yeah. thing. Yeah, totally. Um, um, so, yeah, so, yeah, 
positions are they like just getting some adequate movement or at least training positions um let's jump into like managing training load so um one thing you touched on briefly earlier is like if you're going from a period of less training volume into really high training volume um what are some things you do to appropriately taper yourself or someone into into training if that's a factor um i think general load management is pretty critical like drastic jumps in load is definitely going to make you feel more tight and stiff because you're going at a percentage too far beyond your current capacity i think that Mm. would lead to um tightness and stiffness but the other one that i'd i'll often look at with people and myself is like what's their current movement capabilities with regards to range of motion and am i doing something that's way too far out of that um, Mm. outside of that range versus like working within like a five to ten percent um gradient either side of that i think that's um that's pretty useful particularly in like a you see it all the time in a class setting like someone comes having done nothing and then they go and try and snatch or something or do an overhead movement they're like oh i'm just so tight i can't get there it's like yeah "Yeah, you haven't lifted your arms over your head for 10 years (laughs) and then you're trying to snatch of course you're going to be perceiving tightness and stiffness so it's maybe that person wouldn't be perceiving tightness and stiffness if they were doing some like incline bench press and then progressively building into some overhead hanging work and then maybe into some overhead squats from there kind of thing um but like from the shoulder like building them into that overhead position training wise over time sure they're probably going to still feel tight at some points but it's not going to be such a like a blast to their system yeah, man, that's such a such a good point. Like um, people just mobilizing the crap out of a joint <clears throat> through tissue, man- uh, sorry, soft tissue manipulation, you know, instrument assisted stuff, uh, lacrosse ball, whatever. But like, really, and like, you know, not to say that's not useful, but if you're only doing that, then and you're not building strength in the range of motion, then you're probably always going to be tight in the range of motion. Mm, yeah, bang on. Yeah. yeah. All right, cool. So we've got the, so, you know, someone's come to us, um, the lifestyle factors under control, they're managing training load appropriately. Um, there's kind of three main factors that affect mobility. I think a lot of people will think about it with just like tight muscles or tight joints um, as we kind of just touched on. Um, maybe what's useful to start with is like sort of our def- definition of mobility. Um, and then we'll kind of talk about the things that affect that. So, how do we approach mobility and like, how would you sort of define mobility to someone who has no idea what it is? Most basic way of framing mobility, I would say is strength through range of motion or strength in and ranges of motion. Um, yeah. Exactly. hundred percent. What you just said before. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I, I think about it, like it's a cyclical process. If you imagine just this like wheel that you're on, you're always going through like a period of like opening up range of motion and reducing tension. And then you're increasing tension and strengthening that range of motion. So sort of like, you're you're sort of always on that wheel. Uh, at least like that's how I like to visualize in my head. Um, so muscles, joints, um, scar tissue, all that kind of stuff. Like that's essentially like mechanical problems when we're talking about mobility. Um, what we can also look at as well is if there's chemical problems, so this would be something like inflammation, uh, lack of blood flow, which you touched on earlier with your back, 
Um, and then there's also like neurological factors. So like um, the brain obviously, and then the nervous system, like is that a factor with mobility? Um, typically with like mechanical stuff, that's probably going to be the easiest touch point for strength coaches and just people training in the gym to start to affect their mobility. Are there any tools that you've used or that like your go-tos in terms of um, increasing, uh, let's say just range of motion in the gym? Like if we're in the gym right now, um, have you got any go-tos that you like to start with with people? Yeah, maybe maybe we could frame it around <laughs> like a particular scenario. Yeah, sweet. Let's let's say like um, I've I'm coming into a class or into a session with a with a coach, and I'm trying to improve my overhead position for my snatch. Okay. okay. What are we starting with? And it's it's pretty crap. I've got pretty pretty poor mobility. I bet I'm tight through my upper thoracic, which is a yeah. common one. Yeah. Um, the, it's I, I find it quite difficult to like just address the muscularity side of things or the mechanical side of things um, without looking at like, how has that person come into the session? So, and this is something that you worked on with me ages ago, like very, very quickly, we started to address, well, like your nervous system state walking into the room is going to affect how your positions feel and how easily accessible those positions feel. Um, so if that person walked in and they just had like a completely super stressful day work was crazy they've rushed straight from sitting down all the way to the gym walked out um got changed and they're like okay let's let's snatch or let's put it what was the example overhead squat um i would start with something that would be a little bit more down regulatory um mm. so if we're looking at from just like a general movement standpoint um i would probably start that person with more longer passive stretches even breathing work in positions. So an example for that might be um, like an overhead, um, maybe hard to describe, but like a foam roller underneath the thoracic spine, hips mm. on the ground, and then a barbell resting on the floor behind in that overhead position. And then there's kind of like a, a nice bend through the thoracic um, and they're just holding that position, trying to soften and relax into that position for a period of time. That'd be like the first point. And then, okay, like if it was a, a full session designed to look at building range of motion for the overhead squat, I would then go and strengthen within that range. So it would be maybe like a dumbbell pullover or even working a mm. particular pattern of the overhead squat just with reduced partial range of motion. Um, but that'd be generally how I look at it. Relax the nervous system or get the nervous system in the right state to facilitate tissue change and then go and strengthen that range. Yeah. So we've got addressing, yeah, like nervous system state, as you just said. Uh, I think that's a huge one that's really underutilized at the moment from what I've seen anyway. And then we're sort of diving into some soft tissue manipulation. Um, some stuff that I really like is just like trigger pointing with lacrosse ball or some mm. kind of um, hard surface, I guess. That's and that's cute. just to make them feel like generally more relaxed and open. I would say like, I'd say most of the success from there comes from it's a really like, you know, I think people have really attacked like foam rolling and uh, lacrosse ball work and whatever in the past. And I think that's just because it's some people have sort of claimed that it does a lot more than it, it really does kind of thing in terms of like working the fascia or whatever. <clears throat> but in my opinion, it is still a really valid tool. And that's because 
it generally facilitates a response really quickly. Mm. Um, so it can help relax the tissue, as you said, whether that's from the nervous system or just getting some extra blood flow to the area, um, sensitizing the area to, um, you know, like it just get better feeling in the air, I guess, for lack of a better word. Um, but yeah, like the most of the time when I use like lacrosse ball work or like some kind of foam rolling or something, something like that, some regional, um, like tissue work or something like that. It's just because it does help, like it does help open the, the tissue up a bit from like a muscular standpoint. <clears throat> and it also helps that person relax into positions as well, as you said, like controlling the state um, and just like relaxing some tension in the muscle body. So, yeah. Um, another one I found really useful as well from the mechanical side is doing like joint distractions. Um, so like basically gapping the joint, this can be done with like, uh, most typically like bands, but you could just do it manually with like, um, I guess your hand or like, you know, using your other hand to sort of pull a joint apart, like gapping your wrist, doing like tractioning work as well. So like basically trying to get the joint to glide a bit better. I think that can, again, be a really easily accessible tool. Um, you don't need to, you know, go and get dry needling done or, you know, outsource someone else and it can get you a really good result in the gym to then sort of lay a foundation to be able to strengthen that range of motion. Mm. Yeah. I, um, I guess another one like the overhead squat being the example, um, is, is kind of, I would go like a global approach with those things to start with and then titrate down what's the specific limiter. What is that person actually like, you might see it and it look like the shoulders are not opening and just go and try and stretch the shit out of the shoulders. But I think a lot mm. of the time, the actual movement deficiency is something a little um, deeper than that. Um, so spending time like trying to almost investigate what that particular limiter could be, I think is a really yeah, valuable use of, of training time. Um, Cause like it could come back down to being something as like not being able to create tension through the trunk. That might be the, the reason why mm. they can't stabilize overhead and they're struggling to get into that overhead position because they're just, arching their spine and dumping so much load on the lower back and it just hits like a, a brick wall really quickly because they can't create pressure and um, stabilize their spine to go through the pattern. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think that's where having someone who's experienced in these things can save you like <clears throat> so much time in trying mm. to change how you're feeling um, in a position. Yeah, for sure. Yeah um cool so yeah there's a lot of stuff in the mechanical side of it obviously as i said i think that's like there are other things that affect mobility but i think um most of the time we want to be spending our resources on the mechanical side of thing as strength coaches because we can't have the greatest effect on that stuff mm. um there's other stuff we can use like cars uh, controlled articular rotation uh powers and rails it's like progressive and regressive angular isometric loading which is basically just meaning that we're strengthening the end ranges of movement as well. Um, all really good tools you can use. The chemical side of things, um, we won't touch on too much because um, we're sort of not super 
um, expert in that field, I guess. But also there's a lot of things that can affect like the chemical problems, like inflammation, um, the lack of blood flow thing as well. Like circulatory issues can be coming from like previous injuries or um, what we touched on earlier, like just the positions you kind of in most of the day. Um, I actually had a client, interestingly enough, um, a little while back who had an issue with his liver and was getting, was experiencing like a lot of like, so was really limited overhead, overhead was kind of the thing we we're working on. Um, but, uh, it turns out like one of the reasons he was really limited was that he had a lot of inflammation in his body and this is coming from, um, a problem with his liver. Then when he got that sorted out, he actually got a ton more mobility, like a ton more range of motion, which is crazy, but it is something to think about. Like if you are someone listening to this who is really tight a lot of the time and you've gone and done like a lot of mechanical stuff and your lifestyle's on point, all that kind of stuff. And you like, you, you're still really tight. Like it might be something worth looking at getting some blood work done through a doctor as well. Mm. Yeah. it's a really good point. Um, what about like the neurological side of things? So I think for, our, for us as strength coaches, a lot of the time we're kind of, um, on this continuum of arousal with, um, as you said, said like parasympathetic inputs and then um, sympathetic inputs. Uh, you touched on it earlier with getting the person into the right state. One of the easiest ways I've found to do that is through doing breath work. Mm. Um, do you have any other stuff or like, or even on the breath work side of things, do you have some things you go to? Um, no, I think that's probably the, the easiest and most effective to tool to use to get um, to get change in that regard, even like not overcomplicating it too much. Like something as simple as like five to 10 minutes on a bike of slow controlled nasal breathing could be that input for someone um, versus like totally. going straight into the session. So yeah, there are some really good prescriptions around breathing modalities that you could use to to facilitate a change um but yeah it could also just be something super simple um and i think that's probably the most important thing is like finding something that you're able to do it kind of a bang it's a bang for your buck um tool and, and with most people like that seems to make more sense than sitting down and doing like five to ten minutes of like a meditative breath work practice mm. before then trying to then go and warm up and then get into their session it kind of drags out whereas yeah um, like yeah just popping someone on the bike and just getting them to breathe controlled and do their nose could do the same thing or close to the same thing yeah for sure i actually have another funny story that um will make sense in a minute but I was coaching a powerlifter for, or sorry, a woman who had a powerlifting background um, who was transitioning into weightlifting. This is quite a number of years ago now, but um, so, so her training background, <clears throat> she did a lot of training that exposed her to very high tension environments. So what I mean by that is like when you're powerlifting, a lot of the time you're stabilizing your spine, you're stabilizing your trunk. Um, you're very rigid. The movement patterns aren't massive in terms of like the scheme of movement, if we talk about like doing somersaults and whatever, or like doing really complex gymnastic stuff, like powerlifting, it's pretty small range of motion, I guess. Um, so anyway, she's good at winding up tension and she's, she was quite good at um, like, you know, just 
just jing yourself up for a lift kind of thing, which is which is important if you're powerlifting. You don't want to have too much flexion in your back kind of thing. Um, with weightlifting, so specifically clean and jerk and snatch, there's a lot of change of direction, right? Mm. There's a lot of going from a really tense position into quick relaxation to move fast and then being able to recruit tension again um, if you're like catching a clean or a snatch kind of thing. Um, and she was just kind of struggling with being able to pull under the bar and um, being agile with her feet kind of thing and, and just, just kind of relax into the movement a bit. So, and like at the time I was in the gym coaching her, there was, it was open gym. So there was quite a lot of people sort of milling about uh, very stimulatory environment. Um, and the, the music that was playing that was on my phone was, was quite like hectic as well. Like it mm. was people were like getting after it right in the gym. Um, and so I just was coaching her and I just kept saying, like, you just, just try and relax into it, relax into it. And it wasn't really getting through. So I actually changed the music and I changed it just to something that was a bit more chill, a bit more mellow, like lower BPM kind of thing. And that actually helped to relax. Like her mm. movement was noticeably different when the music was hectic versus when the music was chilled out. And it was crazy. Like, it's just something you don't really think about. Um, and maybe you you know, can't really have an effect over like a whole class doing this, but it is worthwhile thinking about like the, the environment you're in can stimulate different sensations and different tension states in your body as well. Yeah. Environmental factors. I love that one. That's a cool story. Yeah. Yeah. It was really interesting. Really interesting. Cool. Um, anything else to add to that? I feel like that's a lot to, for people to chew on. Um, wh- where would you recommend starting with the, like, so, sorry, the lifestyle stuff and the, the managing training load, but outside of that, like, where would you recommend people start? Um, I will just, add, I just want to add one thing quickly is um, having like one big perception a lot of people have is that like their lack of flexibility is what's causing them to be tight. Um, and I think that's just something that is useful to address is, the nervous system is generally what will govern from, for the most part, what you, what is driving your feeling of being stiff and tight. Um, for most, for most people, like you could have really poor range of motion and have no perception of being tight and stiff. Mm. That's a big one. Yeah. I, I, and I think that's something that like I have generally pretty good ranges of motion but i still experience tightness and stiffness on a regular basis and i know that is because i'm it's it's generally when i'm more stressed and i have too much of a like a high arousal lifestyle and just changing Mm. those things changes tightness and stiffness 100 percent, yeah yeah that's a big one um so that's where i would start for most people if it's an ongoing thing, like um, managing the training load, like we spoke about before is super crucial. Um, just looking at your general daily movement is super important so that you're moving more and that is a priority. Um, general nutrition guidelines are being met and hydration is good. Um, but yeah, probably the biggest thing I would just be looking at is accumulative like stress and arousal states. Yeah, nice. I like it. Awesome. Um, as always, if you want to chat through any other things uh, along these lines, uh, connect with us. You can hit us up 
on Instagram, um, Instant Health and Performance, or you can jump on the website if you're interested in getting some coaching, finding out a bit more about what we do, which is instinct-coaching.com. Boom. See you in the next one. See you there.